So Money Episode 37, Josh Elledge. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Good day to all of you. Welcome back to So Money. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. Well, my friends, fasten your seatbelts today, all right? Today's guest is going to give us the kick in the pants that we often need to get outside of our comfort zone. Really face the fears, get in the seat of creation, and do even greater things. So get ready to become uncomfortable. His name is Josh Elledge. He is a consumer savings expert. He's the founder and chief executive angel of savingsangel.com, which is uh, the most comprehensive coupon and sale matching service available. And the site helps folks cut monthly grocery bills in half, 50%, pretty awesome. In 2014, just last year, Josh actually launched 90 Days to Abundance, which is a webinar series, also a podcast that teaches the secrets to saving money and time in all areas of life, not just at the grocery store. Now, just to give you a little bit of background about how Josh and I met, we actually, our paths crossed at the Financial Bloggers Conference back in the fall of 2014, and I was at the time, I was pretty close to uh, you know, launching a podcast or at least getting my podcast set up and produced. And I recall being in a really crowded room with Josh. We were all wearing our badges, very nerdy, and getting to know each other in this mixer. And Josh had my complete attention. He was talking about podcasting. And he befriended me and in those 20 minutes of chatting gave me such inspiration, such guidance, and really hope for for launching this podcast. And so I credit him for really giving me the, the inspiration and being a leader in this space for me and for others. I think you'll recognize right off the bat that Josh is an exceptionally generous person, and, and I'm really uh, happy to have him on the show. Some takeaways from this interview. I always like to give uh, some hints as to what is to come. How to not let fear dictate your value. Once and for all, just get it out of your system. Why Josh worked 60 hours a week during high school and how that shaped the rest of his life. I mean, if you can work 60 hours during high school when you're you know, trying to take the SATs, college essays, course load, et cetera, et cetera, like, that's a unique person how Oprah and Bono actually influenced Josh and indirectly helped him conceive his business and the trait that makes a terrible employee but a fantastic entrepreneur. Here is Josh Elledge. Josh Elledge, welcome to So Money, my friend. Oh, Farnoosh, thank you. I feel so money. <laughs> Great. You know, um, just to give our listeners some background on how we know each other, I had the pr- the great privilege of connecting with you at the Financial Bloggers Conference back in the fall of, of, of 2014, last year, um, uh, in New Orleans. And I was sort of contemplating the idea of doing a podcast. I didn't know. I wasn't sure. And you and I connected at one of the mixers and I was just captivated by your experience, 
hosting yeah. a podcast and you were so generous in offering me advice. I followed up with you shortly after the conference. You spent lots of time with me, giving me all the, the nuts and bolts of how to start a podcast. And um, I became a complete student and disciple of you know all the podcasting pros. And I consider you as one of them. I just feel like um, I owe you a big, big thank you for the inspiration and the guidance and now the participation in my podcast. So thank you very much for that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely, Farnoosh. And you are going to experience so much fun uh, with so money over this next year. In addition to being a podcast host, you obviously have a foundation in helping people live their best financial lives, helping them save as much as they can. You are um, a consumer savings expert. You go on na- you go on television multiple times um, throughout the year, um, articulating your great advice for everyday Americans, helping them live their best lives. You're also the founder and chief executive angel of mm. savingsangel.com. Tell us, what are you hoping to achieve Uh, professionally this year? So this year, I absolutely just want to expand my audience. And I want to expand my audience by giving and giving and giving. I I just, you know, being in service is just kind of my mantra. And it's finding other people that I can find what their needs are. And what can I do? What is my contribution to them in their life? And so whether that is through, you know, finding great opportunities for networking, or whether that's finding opportunities to speak to new and larger audiences, I know that if I can just truly live my life in service without mindfulness of where money is going to come from, money will take care of itself. You just help enough people bring enough value to their lives and help them get what you want and everything else will take care of itself. It really, really does. And I know in the early stages, sometimes that requires quite a bit of faith. Um, It is nice now that I have been doing this for well, with Savings Angel, we started over eight years ago. So, you know, we've had the opportunity to build up some success, you know, generate some influence. And as a result, you know, I just get to wake up each morning and say, what good in the world can I do today? You know, kind of one of those things. And that is just such an awesome way to live. What is, would you say, is your definitive financial philosophy that really helps guide you make healthy decisions with your money? If you had a mantra, if you had a saying, if you had a commandment, what would it be? Well, it starts off with the premise that money is neither good nor bad, right? It's just an energy force. And that energy we can attract into our lives or, you know, someone from on high, maybe God blessed you with it, whatever it may be for you personally, somehow you have that measurement of money accessible to you. So, Money being neither good nor bad, it's really just an instrument in the hands of that person who holds it. And so for me, one of the last lessons that I think I needed to learn in my life uh, to become wealthy is is this concept of stewardship. And this stewardship that if we were to ascribe this, and I'm going to get a little esoteric here, um, but if we were to say that, let's say money had a mind to it, and money was very cognizant of where how you treated it, right? And again, you know, we're just being kind of a little silly here and, and, you know, interpret this in any way that works for you. 
But let's say that when money comes into your hands, um, you, you just you're not very mindful of of what you do with that. So let's say you end up just you know just frivolously spending it on or on things, or you buy things that you end up not caring for very well. Well, I have a belief that money has a lot of friends and so money will tell all their uh, you know all its other money friends you know oh don't go in the hands of josh because he doesn't take very good care of us right he just just doesn't really care about us or the things that we can do the influence and the the power as it were uh, you know to to handle that and so i think we see this a lot with people who have not risen to the calling of being able to handle that much money. So like we'll see this oftentimes with you know people who receive windfalls and they're just not used to managing that level of energy. It's just kind of hard. It's very awkward to shift from not having any money to having a lot of money very very quickly. Uh, as opposed to I, I think you know where you and you are getting at is that you study money and that you that you really take some time and ponder this about, okay, well, if I do generate a lot of wealth and I fully intend to, how am I going to treat that? You know, how am I going to live my life differently? And I think the more clear we can get on that and how we, you know, if we could visualize what that's going to look like, that's going to help us define exactly where we ultimately end up going. So it's kind of almost this law of attraction thing. I mean, we have to spend the time to to really in our mind say, no, this is exactly what I'm going to do and feel those feelings. And as a result, you will naturally tend to do the things that will actually earn those things because mm -hmm. you're, you're just you'll, you'll just naturally say, well, I, this is how I believe. And so if I believe this, then naturally this is the activity that's going to, uh, you know, that I'm going to do in order to have that. You just read the news sometimes and you hear about millionaires, billionaires, and you can't help but feel like that money's in the wrong hands. You mm. know, they're just not yeah. doing, I mean, maybe they're doing good things with their money behind the scenes. We don't know about it. But then, of course, what makes the news is like the $50 million mansion that they bought. And, you know, meantime, their company, you know, is not paying very much to shareholders or whatever it is. I don't know. It just seems like it is still possible for money to get in the wrong hands and stay mm -hmm. there for a while. I'm not just talking about people who win the lottery overnight and then they lose everything because they don't know how to handle it. But people who have wealth for generations and you just can't help but think like, man, if that money was – if I had that money, you know, not to be greedy, but if I had that money, I could right. do so much more good with it. And do you think that that's just part of the game? Yeah, absolutely. So – you know, and and again, there's a couple of things here. Okay, so you had mentioned that we tend to hear the bad news, right? And that's no surprise. I mean, you and I work in the media. I mean, bad news right, sells, mm -hmm. and and there is absolutely this populist tone within the media, and I mean, understandably so. I mean, it's not good or bad. It just is what it is. It's it's it sells, and so anytime that you can make someone who has a lot of money 
anytime you can embarrass them by a mistake that they've done, either intentional or unintentional, um, because sometimes some you know bad things do happen to people who uh, have a lot of money, um, whether they intended to or not, or maybe they lose sight of what got them there in the first place. And and I can tell you this that you know there's that. Uh, and I, I really shouldn't uh, try and interpret scripture because that always ends up uh, <laughs> causing a firestorm. But, you know, this concept of, the uh, you know, rich man getting into heaven, you know, easier than the camel eye of the needle. It's uh, I'm completely not even saying that correctly. Me. Yeah, absolutely. So now it is a challenge to be wealthy. Now, I'm, I'm not exceptionally wealthy. I do okay. But I can see that when you have that much money, it can become a distraction. And so if you're that distracted, sometimes you can kind of get caught in this trap where money becomes your source of fulfillment and the things that you do with that money and you kind of lose sight of that. It can happen, which is why it's so important to grow in maturity. Mm. And so... That's really important. So, you know, shows like yours, uh, Farnoosh, are, are so critical for those that are listening to us right now. Keep listening to this program. You will become wealthier just by association. And association is so critical, too. I'm going to use that quote as in my marketing materials. Thank you very much, Josh. <laughs> yeah. Listen to my show because you'll get wealthy. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Elledge says so. Um, well, you you actually, you're transitioning very well for me. You, I feel like you have been anticipating my questions, but um, money memories is the next area that I want to dive into. And, um, you know, how did you get to where you are in terms of your mindset regarding money? Was there a moment or moments growing up that good or bad helped to later on define, shape, impact your your take on money today? Yeah. So growing up, we, you know, and you'll likely hear this more, you know, as many millionaires as you have the opportunity to interview, but you'll see this common thread of where early life was likely some sort of a struggle, right? Where they had to roll up their sleeves and they had to do it for themselves. And so I was the hardest working kid that I knew. I I was mowing lawns as soon as it was, I guess, legally safe for me to do that. (laughs) I would sell candy at school. I would work as many hours as I could. You know, when I was in high school, during the summer break, I would work more than 60 hours a week. Um, You know, again, as a high schooler, that's a little unusual. Most high schoolers like to just goof off. For me, I just wanted to constantly be on the clock. And so my dad was a little bit of a workaholic as well, too. He was a very, very well-grounded person. Um, But I just developed this philosophy of, how satisfying it is to create your own wealth. And and Farnoosh, this is just kind of a silly example, but it's just, I can't tell you that, I mean, there's, to, even today, I still remember this feeling of this one time that my mom took my brother, my sister, and I to McDonald's. And I remember that I had just did some job. I mowed some lawn and I said, mom, I'm going to pay for my own lunch, right? And, I mean, first of all, going to McDonald's was a treat. I mean, we just didn't have a lot of money. And so it just felt so good for me to buy my own food and to take care of myself. And this, 
and, and this really kind of sticks with me today, that if I want something or if I want to create something in the world, gosh darn it, I'm not going to ask somebody else to create that for me. I'm not going to ask for charity if, if I – no, this, this is a different subject. I shouldn't say that. Um, but I'm not going to ask to – to be dependent on the government, for example, or I'm not going to rely upon uh, anybody else for my success. Or expect so, a handout. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That That's the better way to say it. Now, charity is a completely different subject, and that's it's incredibly noble to be in a position where um, you can either be the giver or you can empower the giver by being the recipient. And that's kind of a different subject. Mm-hmm. Um, but I certainly... Um, from the sake of, you know, having a money memory, it really is developing that mindset where I'm not counting on anybody else to make my success. I will create it, come hook or crook. And, you know, from from high school, I'm when I joined the joined the U.S. Navy, and I left. The only thing I brought with me uh, when I joined the Navy was a pair of shoes that I had just a pair of running shoes that I had just saved up for sold actually sold my guitar my electric guitar and I got a pair of running shoes that's the only thing I brought with me and I said I am going to start life all new and it was such a great experience for me how old were you when you were at McDonald's and you felt so great buying your own lunch that was 4th grade 4th grade yeah that's a very young age to want that kind of feeling and feel proud about it do you feel like you were just born with innate desires to be financially independent. Do you think that's something that is just in your DNA? You know, I think it comes from certainly the influence of my dad, who worked very, very hard for us. He was a um, technician, and uh, he would work on uh, like electronics and, and so forth. And he was just constantly working, but always had time for us. But so he was a business owner. My grandma was a business owner. She's she's from Finland. She owns a health food store and, again, works very, very hard. And she is just – she'll tell you right now she is a lousy employee. My dad is uh, not a very good employee. I'm a horrible employee. But, boy, I'm a hardworking businessman. You know, it's like I love being in that, that seat of creation. And, you know, even my great-great-grandpa, and his name was Amos Elledge, which is kind of an old-timey name – he was a proprietor, and he sold blocks of ice, and that was his business. He was in the ice business. Okay, Josh, let's talk a little bit about lessons learned through failure. So I want you to take us back to a time in your life. It could have been when you were a kid. It could have been yesterday when you experienced some kind of financial fail. So when I let's so i was working in corporate america as an internet developer had a great job but again josh is not a good employee <laughs> what year was this yeah uh, this was around the year 2000 wow and, okay yeah so this is a little while back cuz you say and internet this, developer this my, and i'm like yes. internet, that would not be a position today cuz we figured we've already developed the internet yeah, right. Well, not uh, developing, uh, you know, basically just webmaster stuff. I okay, mean, you know, okay. Just, yeah, a lot of graphic design, user interface, HTML, that sort of thing. And, you know, back then, you know, it was in such high demand. But because, again, it was just, it was a job for me. And I felt like even though I had the opportunity to be creative, I just felt like I wasn't in charge of me. And so I left on my own. 
and started a um, started a couple of businesses, did um, some internet development on the side, and I started a small town newspaper. I, you know, I don't, I'm not sure why, you know, my background, I, in the United States Navy, I was a journalist. So, you know, that's kind of always been uh, in my blood as well. And, you know, I ultimately failed at that business. I mean, the business, I was relying on that to pay for my mortgage. I was relying on that to pay my bills. And there just absolutely wasn't enough money coming from that business. And the sad thing is, is I can tell you exactly why I failed at that. It's because I was not willing to step outside my comfort zone. And where my comfort zone was, for whatever reason, I was afraid of selling. And so I was afraid to going to the potential advertisers that I needed and, you know, engaging them in conversation and how I could make their life better. And it was, you know, I don't know why I was so uncomfortable about that. Um, I, I, you know, all I can tell you is that if you in the person who's listening to us right now you know whether or not they're you know brand new in business they've been around for a while or they're contemplating starting a business um you know there's likely some things that are outside their comfort zone and i'm sure you've heard this before but i firmly believe that there is no growth in the comfort zone and every time we push outside that comfort zone our circle gets a little bit bigger and then we're able to do even greater things. And because I was not willing to step outside my comfort zone, I failed in that business. And there were other businesses that I had that I ultimately failed in. And again, if you were to ask me, why did you fail? It's because I refused to step outside my comfort zone or I would constantly find excuses that would keep me from doing the uncomfortable things. And so now when someone spends a long time in business for themselves, they hopefully, if they create success, they will have pushed that comfort circle way, 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 way out. And a lot of times you kind of have to fail in business a few times to really get your nose bloodied enough so that you can experience the grit that it really takes and the tenacity that, you know, no one is going to stop me from success and no fear is going to stop me from success either. And when you get to that point, Success is almost inevitable. Repeat that again. When you anticipate fear or go through fear, success is inevitable. Yeah. When, well, you know, basically when you push that comfort zone out so far that there's nothing that makes you uncomfortable, you're willing to do the audacious things. And sometimes, you know, I've had to, you know, I've had to do some uh, in terms of I can't believe I'm talking to this person, right? I'm I'm calling this huge, huge company, and uh, you know, here I am, this just this little business, you know, this little business guy, and just talking to these giant corporations about things that I'm doing and I'd like to do, and I'd love to be a part of what they're doing. I think it's audacious to to call <laughs> to to make some of the phone calls that I've made, or you know, to call up a TV station. And say, hey, I'd like to pitch a story about this or to send an email or Twitter or whatever. That takes a little bit of audacity to do that. But if you can and if you will do that, you'll experience the things in business and mm -hmm. in life that other people will just never get to experience because they let fear dictate what their value is. Absolutely. And I've said it before on this podcast, one of my turning moments was when I smacked fear in the face and I, uh, after getting laid off, did not get back on LinkedIn and monster.com and all those job search sites to find 
my next nine to five. I was like, you know what? I am going to take my years of experience and the relationships that I've created, and I'm going to do this really scary thing called becoming my own boss. Mm. And um, and that was 2009. So now six years later, I am still happy to say. Uh, creating my own work and choosing my own opportunities, and I have never regretted that 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 choice. Yeah, and you know how often is it that we are inspired by people who did something incredibly uncomfortable for themselves? Mm-hmm. You know, I love, I love, love, love watching like weight loss success stories on YouTube. I don't know what it is. You know, I just, I love when someone is able to just experience that breakthrough and do something so uncomfortable. So, you know, Farnoosh, to the person who's listening to us right now, let me ask you, I mean, what are you doing today that is uncomfortable to the point that later on, someone is going to look back at what you decided to do today and say, wow, that person really inspired me by that choice or by that action. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that requires us to really blaze some trails. And so here's another question. What trails are you blazing today? What are you doing that nobody else is doing? So that again, a couple of years from now, we can look back and say, wow, that person was really smart because they were doing something that the crowd wasn't doing. I think, uh, Farnoosh, what you're doing in podcasting is brilliant. And I think that years from now, people are going to look back and say, wow, you know, that she took a risk because it's a very time consuming thing. But as a result, look at what she's created. That's awesome. I think there, it was Oprah who said that your instinct is the voice of God. And I'm not a super religious person, mm. but I've always remembered that. And whether yeah. your God is one God, two gods, no God, you know, everyone has maybe some level of spirituality that your instinct, listen to it because it's not for nothing. Yeah. You know, I, can I tell this story? Yeah. I was actually, so my wife and I got invited to be in the audience for an Oprah taping oh my and God. it was for Project Red when it was announced for the very first time. And so, uh, and by the way, I got to dance on Oprah's stage. So but that not was her on my couch, bar- right? Yeah, yeah, but no, not <laughs> but still, They said, but still don't touch the furniture. Closer than I will ever have gotten to the Harpo studio. <laughs> and but so Bono and Alicia Keys were performing and so obviously they were doing interviews and and in between the segments are is as a studio audience always the best part because that's when they can kind of interact with the audience and kind of you know kind of be a little bit more real and there was one point and this was at the very 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 this was at the conception stage of Savings Angel and uh, you know why I ultimately ended up choosing that name is really kind of a nod to Oprah as well, because in this moment, I felt like Bono had a private conversation with me. And he kind of scanned the audience. He's talking about Project Red and um, other things that he's been involved in. And he said these words. And in that in this moment, it's like everyone else disappeared. And I felt like there was like, if you were watching the movie of this, there's this this dramatic close-up, you know, zoom in and close-up on Bono's face as he's looking right at me. And he says these words. He goes, someday in the future, we will get to the point where we look at hunger, lack, need in the world and in our communities. And we'll say, how did we let that go on so long? I mean, when the problem was really easy to solve, all it requires is everybody with means just to give just a little bit. And all of a sudden, all of the problems 
in society can be taken care of. But it just requires the cooperation of everybody together. And I mean, that's why Savings Angel, that's what we do. I mean, we help people cut their grocery bill in half so that we can help them fill the cups of others. Because it's it's scary to fill the cups of others when you feel like your own cup is empty. So we basically use judo in terms with the uh, retailers and manufacturers, help people cut their grocery bill in half, take their savings, take their abundance that they're now creating, whether it's products or whatever they're they're accumulating, and now give that all away to the charities, the resources, the organizations that they believe in. And collectively, that's how it's done. That's how you solve hunger, lack, and need in our communities. Mm, such profound work, Josh. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Oh, my gosh. It's, are you kidding? It's an honor. And, you know, where some people wake up on Monday mm-hmm. and you know, they'll say, uh, got to go to work. And I, to me, I'm just, I am honored. It's, I am humbled. And, but it's not been, you know, completely like a walk in the park. It's, it is, you know, I, I see some people that have these amazing jobs. Like I met this one guy and he just reviews toys on TV. I mean, how fun is that? You just get to talk right. about toys. And I said, well, that's like, you know, and some people will say, oh, that's like the most awesome job in the world. Or like people who play video games for a living and get paid for that. But what you don't see is what they've had to do and the risk that they had to take and the years of doing it without getting paid that they had to invest in order to do that. And so, you know, I've had to do the same thing. But, you know, if you're willing to do and follow your heart and do what you feel that you are on the earth to do, what is your contribution? And you envision yourself as this just amazing person creating all these amazing things. I mean, what does that look like for you? Just start walking that path. So being on this sort of positive note, I want to talk about your so money moment where you just had a financial win that you're really proud of. So I would say in in my recent history, and, and this really hinged upon a skill that I know that you and I both share, and it's one that I think you and I have both worked very hard to develop this skill, and that's working with the media. Now, as a result of being able to, you know, knowing how to do that, I was able to get Savings Angel, and it's very early days. I was able to get a very, very nice um, front page, well, front uh, sectional front page uh, story profiling my business. And as a result, we made oh, I, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars in one day. And at that time, you know, I was at a point where, you know, Savings Angel was starting. It wasn't an overnight success, but as a result of that news story, we made a lot of money in one day for what we were used to. And, you know, as I just see the numbers adding up on the screen, I mean, with each sale, it's like each time that I swallowed, it became harder and harder and harder. I'm like, okay, you know, this was really exciting the first time. But now it's starting to get very emotional. I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional just recounting it right now. But you know, there's, you know, there's this, these levels of success that we can create. And there's some point where we're like, you know, kind of running around the room, high five and woohoo. And then there's a point where that success keeps accumulating. And you're like, oh my gosh. And you start looking out at the universe or God or whatever it is. And you say, I, you know, who am I, you know, that, that I would be able to experience this or receive this in my life. And I remember that evening after that day's um, 
sales had closed. And again, it's not a lot of money by many people's standards, but for where we were at at the time, it was enormous. And I just remember going out on the back deck and just looking out over the trees in the evening. And we lived in the country. And I just remember in that moment just feeling so connected with my purpose and that this was, you know, just this this indication, you know, from God, from the universe that, you know, you are in the flow. You are doing, you know, what I mean, this this amazing thing that that you're here on the earth to do. So so keep doing it, you know, and just know that you're loved. And I tell you, it was it was just such a humbling, humbling experience. And I think in that moment, my life went from high fiving over success and high fiving over money to just being humbled mm-hmm. at every deposit. All right, Josh, let's talk about habits. We all. um have them, uh, good and bad. And when it comes to our finances, I think that uh, good habits matter. And so I want to learn from you, what is one financial habit that you partake in that it may be daily, it may be sporadic, but it's a habit that helps you make healthy choices with your money? I love being very introspective about my motivations and my emotions. And part of this comes from my background. I studied family science in school and my wife is a family therapist. And so I really love psychology. And so if I ever feel like I am make, I, I want to make a purchase, I, I really ask myself, why do I want to make that purchase? And what are the emotions attached to that? I, I really like to think of myself as being fairly analytical in a healthy way when it comes to my money decisions. I would say, and I'm not sure, I, I'd love to get your opinion on this. So what percentage what percentage of all of our purchases are emotionally based? I mm. would guess that a large percentage of them are, if we're not talking about just like regular bills, that sort of thing. But if we're just like in the store and we're shopping and we're looking for something, certainly if we buy something that's rather spontaneous, I would guess that nearly all, if it's oh, yeah. spontaneous, it's almost all emotion. Psychologically, I every time I'm ready to make a purchase or I'm going to put something in my cart, I, I really, I just pause for a second and I, and I ask myself, well, why do I want to make that purchase? And it's not a good or bad thing, right? It, it's kind of like, it's just being more aware of our behavior. And so it's, you know, not everyone realizes this, but I I lost a lot of weight myself. I lost 60 pounds at one time and did that, uh, you know, in the course of one year. And my secret was that I just, you know, I just wrote down everything that I ate and I, I just logged it in an app. And that's all I did. I don't feel like I really did much else different. All I did was just log my behavior. And so, you know, with shopping, I like to make as many of my shopping decisions at home rather than in the store. All right. This is, uh, we're nearing the end of the interview. I'm sad, but um, I've had so much fun so far. I want to end on a fun note where I ask you a series of questions really quickly. You're going to give me the first answer that comes to your head. Are you ready? 
this doesn't sound like fun. This sounds like being put on the spot. Fun for you, Fun for me. Fun for me and fun for the listeners. Sorry. If you won the lottery tomorrow, Josh, and I know for some people winning the lottery, they ask, like, well, how much are you talking about? So I made it a really big number, like $100 million. I mean, even that's a lot of money for some of the world's richest uh, people. What would you do with it? Well, first off, I would not tell anybody. Uh, (laughs) uh, Secondly, because that always uh, makes things a little complicated. uh, But, you know, secondly, in terms of the work that I do, I wouldn't change a thing. I I really, really wouldn't. And, you know, I may hire a few more people to kind of help with, you know, just to kind of keep my pace up, I guess. But I I would honestly, and, and, and that's how you know if you're really doing what you're on the earth to do, if you would do it and you didn't need to and you had all the money in the world. So I would absolutely keep on doing work-wise what I'm doing right now. I'd probably do it from more exotic locations, but uh, I would absolutely keep podcasting. The one thing that I spend my money on that makes my life easier or better is... Oh, gosh, I love to spend money on technology. (laughs) And, you know, I love, you know, technology that does, that improves our life or makes life easier. So if that's a new app, if that's a new gadget, if, um, you know, if that's upgrading my existing gadgets, you know, I, I absolutely love doing that. And I really think about you know, how will I really do this? And getting back to what I was talking about, um, you know, about how I spend my money. I really spend some time and I think about it and I love the research doing. It's like people who plan on, you know, plan for vacations. You know, I, I spend a lot of time thinking about, you know, my vacation, my next vacation, what I'm going to do. And it's almost as fun for me doing that as it is the actual vacation. So are you an early adapter? Not incredibly early because I don't want to make, I don't, I don't want to be the guinea pig for anybody else. Um, uh, but I do watch technology. And so, you know, when I, I think it finally has gotten to the point where, okay, all the bugs have kind of worked out. Uh, now it's time for me to to dive in. So you're not the guy with the lawn chair outside of the Apple store ah, or like the no. iPhone 6 unveiling. No, I, because I want to read their reviews. I love reading reviews. And so, yeah, if you if if I had to get everything, that would feel incredibly risky to me. <laughs> and I, I'm not that risky with my money. When you donate money, and I'm and we've already talked so much about charity and giving already, but um, we haven't really been specific about where you appropriate your charitable giving, Josh. I'd love to know where you like to be um, where you like to give and, and um, why? So I started just by virtue of a location that was near me was a women's shelter. Now, part of this has to deal with, again, my background in family science. And I, I remember doing research on behalf of, you know, advocacy for women's issues and, um, you know, especially women who have been victims of abuse. And, you know, taking my daughter there and, Knowing that uh, on a local community level, I I have an impact. I, I really tend to like m- uh, more local and um, uh, I'd say more local and kind of neighborhood charities uh, and organizations. Uh, I I love uh, maybe supporting charities that encourage people to grow. And so as opposed to, well, you can just rely and lean on us for life. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But for whatever reason, I really love those charities and organizations that um, support people 
getting better and maybe recovering from a bad situation and then bouncing back and then really recovering and, and achieving um, great things. Those are the things that I really look for in an organization that I can support. Okay, Josh, last question. I'm so money because... <laughs> Be, you know, because I, I love this subject and I love dispelling this notion that money is anything other than you know, it's, it's, you know, I love dispelling this notion that money is evil. I love dispelling this notion that money is good. It's, it's, it's just an empowerment tool to who we are on the inside. And so because I recognize that, Farnoosh, I am so money. And I concur. An empowerment tool to be our best selves, to achieve our goals, to serve our families and our communities. Thank you so much, Josh Elledge, for being my special guest on So Money. Awesome, Farnoosh. Thank you so much. It, I'm a huge fan of you and you know, seeing your presentation at FinCon, I mean, you're a giving person. I mean, the offers that you made from the stage to everybody in the audience of, of you know, to, to, to be as giving as you were with your availability and your time, I mean, you are just one of those people that you you want to see all the success and the world be at your feet. So I'm excited for everything that lies ahead for you. And I'm very, very honored that I get to, in my own small little part, I get to be a part of that. Thanks so much to my guest, Josh Elledge. If you'd like to learn more about him, his website is savingsangel.com. He's on Twitter, at Josh Elledge. And of course, we've got all the links for where you can find Josh on our website at somoneypodcast.com. And remember, that's also where we've got the transcript. We've got the comments section for this interview and all interviews. And it's there where you can click on Ask Farnoosh and send me your question. I know you got something on your mind about money, saving, building wealth, career. Maybe you're transitioning uh, from one job to the next. Uh, I love hearing from you. I want to connect with you because Saturdays and Sundays is just our time where I get to read through my mail and, and, and answer directly to you. So please take advantage of that tool. I love hearing from you. Thanks for joining me today. I hope your day is so money. 